How's everybody doing? My name is George Washington. It's good to be here with you. Uh, my name is Dave Ferguson. Sorry about that. <laughs> Couldn't resist. And uh, I'm the lead pastor, and I have just the privilege of, of getting to oversee all of our locations, the city and suburb. And I, I just, um, it's not even, I call it recess. It's not really even like work, because when you get to do something you think is important, that God's in, it's just a blast. And I love it, love it, love it. And so thank you for allowing me to do that. Um, I'll tell you, here's where I want to start. Um, how many have ever heard the saying, lightning never strikes the same place twice? Lightning never strikes the same place twice. Come on, work with me here. Little hands way up there, you in the back, up in the skybox. Okay, yeah. Almost everybody's heard that, right? Very familiar, very familiar. The only one problem with that, this common saying, it is absolutely not true. Just not true. In fact, um, the Empire State Building has been struck by lightning on average about 100 times every year. They keep track of this stuff. In fact, within a, about a 24-minute uh, time span, once the Empire State Building was struck by lightning eight times. So if you give it enough time and the right circumstances, lightning striking twice is actually pretty predictable. It's just not true. Um, how many of you are familiar with the, uh, what we call the five-second rule? How many know the five-second rule? We know the five-second rule, right, right? If you drop something, especially something you really like, right? You got five seconds, you pick it up, it's good, right? Well, Mythbusters, if you're familiar with Mythbusters, right? It's a very reliable source of science here. Um, they tell us that, yes, food that stays on the ground longer does get more germs, but any food that's dropped, actually, when you drop it, it will actually attract lots and lots of germs, so you need to just throw it away. Five-second rule, very popular in my house. I think most men comply to the five-second rule. Um, not not an actual rule. Here's, here's why I'm starting with these things. I want to start with lightning never strikes twice, the five-second rule to make a point. There are things that people say. We've probably said them. There are thoughts that get put into our mind by others. And sometimes those thoughts, those things just are not true. Now, in the case of lightning striking twice the same place, or in the case of the five-second rule, you know what? It doesn't really impact our lives in a big way, right? Nobody's really traumatized out here going, oh my goodness, you've just, you know, it's a paradigm shift. You've changed my worldview. But what about thoughts that do impact us? What about the thoughts that have been dropped inside our brain, some of them from years ago, that lead us into destructive behaviors, and sometimes repeatedly so? What about the thoughts that cause us to doubt ourselves, to doubt our own God-given abilities, and keep us from fulfilling our potential? What about the thoughts that get in our brain and then leak down deep into our souls that keep us from experiencing the very best that God has for us? It gets a little more serious, doesn't it? Well, today we're, talking, we're wrapping up our series called Transform, and we've looked at some key areas in our lives where, where we know we need to make changes, where we want to make changes. With God's transforming power, we can make changes. If you're here the first week, we talked about transforming your spiritual life. And then we talked about transforming your, your most important relationships. And then in week three, we talked about how together we could transform the world. Remember, we, we had Celebration Generosity. We raised over a half million dollars with record number of givers, record number of givers, which was awesome. That's right. Really proud of you guys, everybody. Last week, we talked about transforming your health, and we talked a lot about stress. Well, here's what I'm going to do today. Today, I want to talk about transforming your minds. Now, the key verse throughout this series has been Romans chapter 12, verse 2, 
If you have a Bible, you can, you can look that up. If you have your iPhone I mean, or a phone, you know, just go ahead and download the YouVersion app. But we also have it up on the screen here, okay? And it says this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, we took that verse and we said, okay, throughout this series, the big idea is simply this. The big idea for this series is this. The further we find ourselves away from God, the more we conform to other things. But the closer we find ourselves to God, the more we transform. We're transformed into, into God's original intent for who we're supposed to be. Further away, we conform closer to God, we transform. Now, there's, there's another translation of this verse, and I kind of like it. It's a little more earthy and kind of gets, gets kind of right to the roots of the thing. It says this, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. And then it goes, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. All right, say that last phrase after me, changing the way you think. Okay, why is this so, so important? Why is this so important that I manage my thought life? Why is this true that we need to make sure that our minds are transformed? Why is it important that I change the way I think? Why is this so important? And why is this worth spending our time together on this particular topic? And here's why. It's because my thoughts, my thoughts control my life. My thoughts, your thoughts will control your life. In the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it tells us this, makes this point. It says this, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped. It is actually shaped by your thoughts. Now, as I've kind of was noodle on this, I think there's almost kind of a linear way you can begin to think about this. And I want to put this out there, and I hope this will stick with you. This has been very helpful to me, and I think this is, a, this is what usually happens. Our thoughts tend to produce our beliefs, and that our beliefs are what produce our behaviors. Our thoughts, they come into our mind, and then they become the convictions of our heart and, and our head, and then they actually begin to dictate how we live our lives, how we live our lives. Let, let me give you a couple examples of that. Um, this goes back when we first started the church. Now, those of you that are in leadership in the church, you probably heard this story. Those of you that aren't may, may have never heard this story. It was about a year after you know, a handful of us started Community Christian Church, and I was at, I was at Potter's. Uh, you've been to downtown Naperville Potter's Mexican restaurant, everybody? Yeah? Great place. And actually, this is before it kind of expanded, had the patio and everything. And I was supposed to meet somebody there, and they didn't show up. And so um, I'm there, you know, eating a chimichanga all by myself. And um, I was thinking about this church that we just launched a year before. We were still meeting in a high school. And, and I began to kind of just think about it. As I thought about it, I pulled out a napkin, and I pulled out a napkin, and, and I drew a map of Chicago as best I could, on, on that napkin. And I thought, what if you had a church that instead of just being at one location, made an impact in one neighborhood, because we had this dream of impacting Chicagoland, what if, what if, what if you could actually have a church that had lots of different locations throughout the city and the neighborhoods and the suburbs of Chicago, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I kind of scratched out Chicago, and I began to draw it all over. I wonder if that's possible. And I took that napkin, and I had a, a journal, and I just, I just kind of, I just, I tucked it away in my journal. Just a thought. And it actually stayed there for, not, probably stayed there for three years in my journal. I was having breakfast with a guy named Larry over at uh, Quincy's restaurant over on Ogden Avenue. 
And uh, Larry's a guy I love to talk to. Larry's an entrepreneur. He started a lot of things from scratch. And you know, we started a church from scratch, so we kind of had this in common. He was taking his first steps on his way back to God. And it was fun talking to him. And I remember, I'll never forget this. Larry asked me the question. He said, hey, Dave, with this church, and he'd start coming. He said, what's the dream? What's the dream? If you can do anything, what's the dream? And I didn't say anything because to kind of say some things out loud, you know, it's kind of like you're, you're kind of committing to it. And so he pushed me. He said, hey, if you could do anything, what would you do? And for the first time in three years, I reached inside my journal, and I pulled up this napkin, and I said, and I shoved it across the table, and I said, Larry, if I could do anything, I'd love to figure out a way how our church could not just make an impact in one community, but in lots of neighborhoods throughout the city of Chicago and even throughout the suburbs of Chicago. How could we do this in lots of different places? And I'll never forget, he looked across the table at me. He just said, you can do that. You can do that. And I don't, know how to, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it to you, but in that moment, it was like somehow he reached inside my soul and there was this, this, this on-off button was like, like off, and all of a sudden he flipped it on. And something that seemed kind of impossible, just kind of a random thought, all of a sudden he said, no, you can do that. And in that moment, you know what happened for me? What happened for me is that thought, okay, all of a sudden became a belief, you can do that. And here we are 20-some years later, and we have, you know, lots of different locations all across the city and suburbs of Chicago. We have about 260 churches that are now a part of our New Thing Network, both locally and globally. It became a part of my behavior. Well, that's not for applause. But do you understand how that works? Isn't that something? That, that all of a sudden you just have a thought. Somebody comes around and says, you can do it. It becomes a belief. And then all of a sudden it actually forms your life and other people's lives. I was... Um, Talking to a guy, this goes back several years now, and uh, it just totally trashed his, his marriage, and it, 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 it ended in divorce. And we were sitting down, and I just, and I kind of, I'm in some form of the question, I said, well, what happened? And he said, I remember the moment. He said, I was in the office, and I looked at, it was a coworker, and I thought to myself, she likes a lot of the same things I like. She likes a lot of the same things I like. And he, and he confessed, he said, I not only thought about that, but as I began to think about her, this was not his wife, he said, I bet she could make me happy. See what's going on? And that became, I bet she could make me happier. And that thought soon became kind of this belief, I think she could make me happier. And then that became a behavior. There was flirting, and the flirting led to both of them finding ways somehow to be alone, which then led to touching, which then led to an affair. And before you could even realize it, this thought had become a belief that manifests itself in a behavior that destroyed his family. You see how important this stuff is? Huh? Are you with me? I was sitting across the table from a guy... Um, Oh, man, two weeks ago. And he was talking to me about the downward spiral of alcoholism, alcoholism in his own life. And um, he said, in fact, if he, got to one, he, got to, he got to a point where things were so, so, out of, so out of control, he had several DUIs, and actually in one of them, actually someone, uh, in one of the acts, he actually got in an accident, and in one of those accidents, someone was killed. He said, I got to the place in my life where I hated, I hated being drunk, and I hated being sober. 
And I looked at my life and the things I've, I've done, and I thought there was no hope. There was no forgiveness for me. And because I thought, okay, follow me, I thought there was no forgiveness, that began, I be, that began to really believe that in the core of my heart and in my mind. I was hopeless. And actually, I was at a point where I'm going like, maybe I just ought to end this thing. Maybe I just ought to end this thing. He said he finally got so desperate. There was one guy in his life who seemed to kind of have it together. He didn't know exactly why. He hooked up with this guy. This guy told him, he said, you know what, you need to go. You need to go up in your room and get on your knees and ask Jesus to come into your life. He said, I had nothing to lose, so I did it. I went, up my, I went in my bedroom. I got on my knees. I asked Jesus to come to my life. He said, it was like, I don't even understand it. He said, but things changed. He said, the next day I got up and went to church. I went to church. The pastor was talking about forgiveness. He was talking about forgiveness. And he made the point that, you know what, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, no matter what, you can be forgiven. You hear me? Some of you need to hear this today. You can be forgiven. And all of a sudden, that thought all of a sudden began to, to ram up against an old belief. And he goes, like, even me, even I can, be believe, I can be forgiven. He said, I cried so hard that day. And this is, I was talking to him at lunch, and it's like 20 years later. He still gets tears in his eyes thinking about that. Because all of a sudden, there's a conviction in his head and his heart going, like, wow, I can, I can be forgiven. And you know what? It totally, totally changed the trajectory of his life. And this guy's making a huge difference in the lives of lots and lots of other people that struggle with, struggle with alcoholism and, and other kind of addictions. Here's my point. Every, every behavior, every action we take for good or for bad, it's often a belief that's acted upon, okay? It begins as a thought. It begins as a thought. And maybe, maybe it's an instant thought, or maybe it's a thought we've been thinking about for several months or several years now for a long time, but it always begins as a thought. And here, here's part of my concern. A lot of us in this room were told things years ago, some of us even as kids, that just were not true. And I'll tell you what, it gets me angry just thinking about some of the things that some of you were told, not at you, but for you. And here it is, years later, we're still acting on false information. Some of us were told, you know what, in various ways, you are worthless. You're no good. You don't matter. You're ugly. You're uncoordinated. And that thought stuck. It became a belief. And here we are as adults, we're still living it out. Some of us have been told in one way or another, you know, I can't, you can't count on anybody. You can't rely on anybody else. You have to do it yourself. And that thought becomes a, a belief that now informs the way we live our lives. Some of us, even here today, we're kind of here on a hope, but, we're, but, but, but really what we really think, our thought is this, you know what, yeah, God comes through other, through other people, but he won't come through for me. I can't really trust him. And that informs how we live our life. Our thoughts lead to our behaviors, which produce, or lead to our, our beliefs, which produce our behaviors. And, and partly because I've been so anxious to talk with you about this, and I've been, I mean, for the last couple of weeks, because there's so many of us, so many of us, so many of us that are holding to the thoughts and beliefs that just absolutely are not true. And so here it is, months, or maybe in some cases, years and years, we're acting on and living out on false information. And I'm telling you, it is holding us back in so many different areas of our life. Now, if this is true, that my thoughts control my life, here, here's some really, really good news. The good news is this. I actually control my thoughts, okay? Our thoughts control our life, but guess what? I control my thoughts. You control your thoughts. And some people will say, I, I can't help what I'm thinking. That's not true. That is absolutely not true. We control our thoughts. Satan, the Bible says Satan does not control our thoughts. He, wants, he tries to tempt us, right? 
He makes suggestions, but only you can control your thoughts. Other people also. You have some people in your life who wants to influence and are manipulative. They want to try to, but they cannot control your thoughts. Only you control your thoughts. And I was thinking about how to illustrate this. Maybe the best way, it's like this, right? You have a remote. You're the one who gets to change the channel. Guys, are you digging this, huh? Yeah, especially guys. You, have, you can change the channel. You have certain thoughts, you can change the channel. Your thoughts are highly controllable. All right, um, let's think, how do we, how do we explain this? Um, Cub fans, right? You've been having a lot of positive thoughts lately, right? Now, I'm happy for you. As a Sox fan, that's not a, that's not a very big secret around. I am a, a diehard White Sox fan. This has been a very, very, very hard time. That was a pity clap. Um, so, you know what I have to do? Because I'm trying not to have negative thoughts about my manager who I'm thinking maybe needs to be fired. So, I, 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 so instead of that, what I do is I, you know, I just, I kind of like, I just, I change the channel and I... And the White Sox have won the World Series. See? Woo! And so I make, I have positive thoughts. Now, and because I'm a pastor of both Cubs and White Sox fans... I know you Cub fans are kind of a little freaked out because you lost the first game last night, right? You're a little nervous, right? No? Okay, well, just in case. Well, I just want to encourage you. You can change the channel. We can go back. Here we go. And the 0-2. Swing and a miss. Cubs win. Cubs win. Right? Cubs win. You won the first playoff game. So I'll tell you, if we've got Cub fans here, turn to somebody near you say, think positive thoughts. Think positive thoughts. Change the channel. You got Arietta going for you tonight, right? You're gonna be. You're gonna be. You're gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. But here's the thing: we can. We can change our thoughts. For, I mean, it, it does. We know this. You have a lustful thought, right? No, change the channel. Change the channel. <laughs> um, if you have you have a vengeful thought, change the channel. You have a self-defeating thought, change the channel. Now, I, I want to make a disclaimer here. I understand. I do understand that in certain situations, some of us struggle with mental health issues. And they're called mental health issues because what it means is the way that we are meant to be able to easily, or not easily, but be able, we're able to control our thoughts doesn't fully function right. And, that's very, and it's a serious thing. It can be a very severe thing. But outside of that, okay, we are hardwired by God with a remote where we can actually control our thoughts. Dallas Willard, Dallas Willard, brilliant spiritual leader, uh, passed away in the last couple of years, but he's, he made this comment, and I love this. Here's, here's what he has to say about thoughts. The ultimate freedom we have as human beings is the power to select what we will allow our minds to dwell upon. I'm not just talking about a passing kind of thing. I'm talking about what we dwell upon. It's in our thoughts that the first movements towards the renovation of the heart occurred. He's talking about transformation. Thoughts are the place where we can and we must begin to change. So if we want to change the way we think, okay, by controlling our thought, let me, let me very quickly give you kind of three choices we all have to make. Three choices. I'm going to be very brief about this, but these, these are game changers for you. All right? Number one, you have, to, you have to say, I'm going to free my mind. I'm going to free my mind. Maybe invoke at it right. Free your mind and the rest will follow. Okay? <laughs> what you need to know is there's a war going on inside your brain. There's a war going on inside your mind. There are, there are hurtful, painful, wrong-headed, even some evil thoughts that have established themselves in there. And there's like a rebellion that's taken place inside your head. Okay, the same guy told us to transform our minds. He wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 3 to 5. Look what he says here. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not with weapons of this world, 
On the contrary, they have divine power. Say that after me, divine power. You got to get that part. Here we're coming. To demolish strongholds. Say that word after me, strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. Say that. Take captive every thought. And you make it obedient to Christ. You make it obedient to Christ. Let's work our way through this real quick. Stronghold. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is actually a military term. A military term that means that they've kind of established an a, a enemy fortress in your own territory. There's an enemy fortress being established in your t- own territory. And there could be all, you, whatever those lies are that are established there. And what we need, as it says, is you need a divine power. You need God's help to come alongside you. And it says, it says to take them captive. And so what you do is you begin to pray. You say, God, with these thoughts, these destructive thoughts, okay, these self-defeating thoughts, I need your help. We're going to go in together. We're going to grab a hold of those thoughts, and we're going to call them lies. And when you call a, a lie a lie, it has to leave your mind. It no longer establishes itself as truth. That fortress, that stronghold is destroyed. And essentially, it's you and God going into your mind in a battle and saying, hey, not in my backyard, not on my turf, not on my home court. All right, get out and stay out. And that's what we have to do to free our mind. The second thing you have to do, though, is you have to very intentionally feed your mind. To feed your mind. Um, I think we all know the importance of, you know, good nutrition. Good food, good calories makes us stronger and healthier. Bad calories, junk food. It harms our body. Same thing is true with our mind. We don't think of it. But you actually have to feed your mind. Feed your mind. And I'll tell you what. There's nothing like this that's better than this truth source to tell your mind the truth and to feed your mind. There's a guy in the Old Testament, David, and he knew. He knew what it was like to lose the battle in the mind. And so he writes, he writes this in Psalm 119. Look what, he, look what he says here. He says, here's what I do now. In order, to, in order to free my mind and to begin to feed my mind, he says, I rise before dawn and I cry for help. Right? Divine power that I have put my hope in your word and my eyes stay open through the watch of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Nutritionists will tell you, you know what? It's better to kind of eat small little meals throughout the day than big meals, right? Same thing with truth. When you're feeding your mind, small little pieces throughout the day. He starts. He starts. He says, in the dawn. I start in the, at, the, at the beginning of the day. One of the things I've tried to do, I try to start my day with, with, with these two things right here, okay? The Bible and my journal. I read a chapter, pick out some verses that are going to speak to me, write about them in my journal, write out my prayers, some reflections, and that's how I begin to feed my mind at the beginning of the day. Then those stick with me throughout the day. I meditate those, bring those back to mind throughout the day. When I go to bed at night, even like he says there, and the watches of the night, all the way from dawn until the watches of the night, when I go to bed at night, when I'm on my game, when I put my head on my pillow, it's actually, I'm, I'm thinking, but I'm actually I'm praying to God. There's things, actually prayers that I'm saying to God. That's what we have to do. I'm telling you, this, this is such important stuff. Such important stuff. That we have to learn to free our mind and feed our mind. But here's the last thing, too. And then the last thing is focus our mind. When, I focus, when I'm focused on the right things, I don't have time to pay attention to the wrong things. Again, Paul. And he writes so much about this. He talked about transforming your mind. Here's what he says. He says in Philippians, he says this. He says, here, brothers and sisters, and pay attention to this, brothers and sisters. He makes this really important. He goes, now, here's what you do. Here's how you focus your mind. You focus on whatever is true, 
You focus on what's noble. You focus on what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, what's admirable. Here's a go. If anything, if there's anything out there that's excellent or praiseworthy, you think about those things. Think about those things. And notice how he starts it. He starts, hey, brothers and sisters. And essentially what he's saying, he's saying, listen, this is something you're not going to be able to do on your own. You need brothers and sisters to, get, to do this, to help you focus your mind. You're going to need somebody along the way to look across the table at you and say, you can do it. Right? That you can do that. You're going to need somebody in that moment when you think you're unforgivable to look across the table or maybe to stand in front of you and go like, no, everybody, everybody is loved by God and there is no such thing as an unforgivable sin. Everything could be forgiven. You need somebody in that moment when you're about to crash and burn because there's a fortress that's been established, a stronghold in your mind of lustful thoughts that are taking you down a path that's about to destroy the good thing that God is doing in your life. It's like, no, hey, 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 this marriage can work. I'm telling you, this marriage can work. This is a big deal, people. And what God wants to do is he wants to focus your mind. And when we focus our mind and we feed our mind and when we free our mind, we can control our thoughts. And if you control your thoughts, right, then you're going to control your beliefs. And you control your beliefs, you're going to control your behaviors. Let's pray. Father God, you're such a good, good, good God. That you, I mean, there's, there's, you, you want to help us with every part of our life. But it starts right here with a transformation, the transformation and the renewing of our mind. Lord, I ask that you give us the courage to reach out to you, to trust your word, and to reach out to other brothers and sisters to help us in this renewing of our mind. Lord, we surrender that to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.